when I was six months old and my brother was two years old, he was diagnosed with um, type one diabetes. And so part of that, so, so part of the, my story in relation to that is um, of course, when you have a child who has an illness or a disease or something different than another child who's, who's healthy, the focus was always on my brother. So of course I was, um, I didn't know it at the time, but I was always looking for attention. And one way to get attention was to eat every time my brother ate. And he had to eat like six times a day to keep his blood sugar stable. So that's kind of how I um, started my eating journey and gaining weight. And um, so every time he would go to the kitchen to eat, I wanted that attention too, instead of just being in my room or playing by myself. So I would go with and eat and I, I, over the course, like you can see my pictures from like kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth grade. I mean, every picture, my face is just bigger and bigger. And um, by the time I was in fourth grade, I um, had a doctor tell me that by the time I'm in high school, I'm gonna be over 200 pounds if I don't stop eating which was not helpful um, at all. <laughs> and it was, I guess it wasn't even a pediatrician. My parents took me to like a, a, a family doctor when I was a kid, which don't ask me why, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so I, um, so by the time I was in fifth grade, I had a friend who had older, older siblings. Hi, I know. Who had older siblings who had, um, were trying to throw up. And so I was like, and so my friend was like, why don't we try this? It's going to like help us lose weight, which, um, I was game for anything, you know, and, um, I couldn't do it. And I tried really hard and I couldn't do it. And she's like, well, if you can't do that, you just need to not eat if you're going to want to lose weight. And for some reason, I don't know why the mixture was right, but, um, there were other things going on in the house that made me feel like I didn't have control over my body. So this, was a way that I felt like I could have some control in my life um, to control what I was putting into my body. Um, and so I uh, started my, my journey of not, of, of restricting was kind of my first thing that I did. And I, and my mom was part of this exercise class. And so I went with her every single summer. So between um, sixth and seventh grade summer, I had lost, um, a considerable amount of weight, probably 30 or 40 pounds in a summer. And of course, what happens when you lose weight and you come back to school, everybody says, Oh, you look so great. And so I started getting all this attention. And again, I was somebody who didn't feel like I was getting attention at home. So I got attention from everybody else. And I said, well, this is it. I found how to feel validated in the world. And so for me, it was keeping up that certain look, kind of like the reading, like keeping up a certain thing on the outside. So I felt okay on the inside. And I still struggle with that to this day. We can kind of get to that, but um, it just, it was like, you couldn't convince me all through like high school up to when I came into OA, like nobody could tell me that my happiness was not related to the size of my body. I was 100% convinced that if I had diet and I had exercise and I looked a certain way and I did ate certain things that I would be okay. And I was for sure about that. And I had no idea that there was a higher power that could help me with all these things or that there was a program of recovery. And, um, and my over-exercising led me in, onto the surgery table twice. I've had two surgeries related to my over-exercising. I hear people say 
Um, oh, I wish I was a compulsive overexerciser. It's not fun, you guys. Um, it, it sucks. <laughs> I have the body of an of a older person just because my joints are, are like really messed up. But um, just from all the years of exercising like four or five hours a day and taking supplements and certain other illegal substances to look, you know, look and feel a certain way. And um, finally, I got sober in 2010. And I had a sponsor who told me there was a lady who could help me with my eating. And I looked at her like she was a crazy person. I'm like, listen, lady, I'm not gonna. <laughs> First of all, she was my sponsor. And I had to tell her everything about, you know, in AA, I worked the steps. And I had to tell her all my deep, darkest secrets. I'm like, I'm going to tell somebody else about, but I didn't really tell her too much about the food because to me, like I would literally, you guys, I would rather get naked in front of a stranger than tell somebody else what I ate for dinner. Like that's where I was at. <laughs> like I just did not want anybody else to know. Um, and that's like an exaggeration probably. I don't know. But anyways, I just didn't want other people to know what I was doing with my food and my body. It was like my thing. Like, this is my thing. Like what I, what I eat, what I don't eat, what I try to get rid of, um, when I eat it, how I eat it. Am I going to exercise, not exercise, blah, 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 blah. I mean, this was going on. I mean, 90% of the day when I came into OA were thoughts of food, thoughts of body, thoughts of weight. And anyway, so she told me to call this woman in 2010 and I promptly called her in 2012. So it took me a couple years and she was actually abstinent in OA. And, um, and she told me that she would meet with me. And um, I met with her uh, on Montana Avenue at Blue Plate. I don't know if anyone knows where that is in Santa Monica. And it's a really busy restaurant in the middle of all this hoopla on like a Saturday. And we sat in the back and I cried into my sandwich and we didn't say a word for like an hour. And that was the first time that I felt love and acceptance about who I was related to my eating and food. And it really cracked me open um, because I felt like she understood and nobody had ever understood. And that's because I never told anybody because I thought it was normal to be doing this stuff. Um, and that was really my beginning journey in OA. And I wish I could tell you guys that my abstinence date is 2012 and it's not. Um, I started working the steps with her and I could not get abstinent. It, I just couldn't, I could not stop eating. So I had, I had a lot of restricting and over exercise, but the thing that brought me into to my knees in OA was compulsive overeating. When I came into OA, I couldn't go more than 40 minutes without putting a piece of food in my mouth, um, except when I was sleeping. And it was really scary because I was gaining weight and I felt really out of control. And, um, and anyways, um, so I, I was that person that came to meetings. I ate before the meeting. I ate after the meeting, um, like compulsively overate, like not a snack. <laughs> and I continued to gain weight when I was going to meetings and I was working the steps and I was a little bit horrified, but I knew that, um, from just from going to so many meetings that people said, just keep coming back. And I don't know why, but I believed them that if I kept coming back, I would get better. And, um, and also like, where else am I going to go? I had nowhere else to go. If I had somewhere else to go <laughs> to fix my eating problem, I would be going there. I would not be in a program called Overeaters Anonymous. It's the, not an attractive name. Right. <laughs> and, um, it was just the like literal, like you hear like the last house on the block. 
And so I, um, so I stayed and I got abstinent in uh, February, 2013. I came in September, 2012. And, um, I, what happened was kind of a repeat of my sixth and seventh grade summer. I started losing a bunch of weight. I started feeling really good about myself. Um, I decided that my ego is more important than God. And I started to float away from the principles of this program and, um, and I relapsed bad and, um, and I made, I made my body, my higher power again. And that that was the most important thing in my life. And that if my body was okay, I was okay. And by the time 2015 rolled around, I was exercising like two and a half hours a day, eating minimal food and still coming to OA though. So that's the thing that um, I always share and I have to remind myself even when I'm struggling now is that the only thing, the only thing that I've done perfectly over the past, what is that, eight years, is that eight years? Yeah. <laughs> over the past eight years is I've kept coming back. I have never stopped coming to meetings. The longest I haven't gone to a meeting was when I went on my honeymoon. <laughs> and um, besides that, I've been coming to meetings for eight years consistently. I just kept coming back because that's what people told me to do. And, um, and I was really desperate. So my abstinence date now is September 28th, 2015. And so I just celebrated five years of abstinence and it's, um, it's been up and down, it, you know, like being abstinent doesn't like necessarily fix everything, but it is the most, like, just like we read, it's, it has to be the most um, important thing in my life. And it is, and when I, and when I try to mix it up and, and reprioritize things, it just doesn't work out um, for me at all. Meaning that I get spiritually sick. And if I prioritize my abstinence, I'm prioritizing my higher power. Um, and I have to have my higher power involved in my food or I'm really doomed. And for somebody that's an alcoholic and a compulsive overeater, oh, is that 10 minutes, Georgia? Yes, that was 10 minutes. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Um, for somebody, you know, like me, I, I, the, there's like a part in the big book where it's very black and white. It says God either is or he isn't. What is your choice to be? And I'm like, well, thank you for spelling that out, you know, because I need something that's not complicated occasionally um, because I'm very complicated and I overdo it and I overthink it. And actually that first sponsor I was telling you about that gave me my, my AA sponsor, gave me my OAs. Um, oh my goodness. Uh that gave me that number is here visiting and, and she's just like, how's your OA program? And I'm like, my OA program is not where it necessarily needs to be. And, um, and that's okay. You know, just because my OA program is like not 110%, like it's like, number one, I'm recognizing it and I'm doing something about it. So I'm being of service. I'm going to more meetings. I'm calling my sponsor more. I'm talking to a dietitian. Like I'm doing certain things. I'm using the tools more. I make more outreach calls. Like it's not the end of the world. Like, oh, you know, it's like, it, it's just like recognizing I'm floating away from the program. And, and for me, the past five years, every time I do that, I have to come back because before when I relapsed, I wasn't coming back to the program. I just kept going with oh, this losing weight feels so good. And look at all this validation I'm getting. And it was just like, I was a kid again, you know? And um, 
And so for me, um, you know, like the reading, the for today reading, I mean, that's basically saying like, I have, for me, what I got out, part of what I got out of that was like, I have to be right with God so I can like walk in this world. Like I cannot rely on outside things to make, to make me feel happy and like a struggle. Cause I, I got absent in Los Angeles in case you haven't catched on. And I actually live in Tucson, Arizona now. So that's why you probably haven't seen me, but, um, I, you know, it's like can constant comparing my outsides to somebody comparing my insides to somebody else's outsides. And that's just always going to leave me in a, in a bad place. Like I never do that. And I'm like, Ooh, that felt good. Um, so that's just not really helpful, you know? And I love that, that reading. And I'm going to look over that when we're done more. And one other thing I wanted to share, you can obviously hear that there's a baby in the background. <laughs> um, nice flag, Rob. <laughs> and uh, I ended up in Tucson. My husband tricked me. We met in Newport Beach. And then he's like, I live in Tucson. And he brought me here in November and the weather was beautiful. And now it's, we've had a hundred days over a hundred and over 50 days over 105 this summer. So <laughs> joke's on me. Um, but I, uh, one of the be most beautiful things that recovery has given me is this, um, I got pregnant in 2019 and I was gaining weight. I couldn't control it. And it was a good thing for once in my life. And what a gift that this program gave me. What a gift, you know, that would have totally thrown me over the edge before. And I had a beautiful pregnancy and, um, and it was just a gift. And now I get to be a, a mom to like this awesome, what are you now? Uh, almost seven month old baby. And, um, I have a husband who works a 12 step program and, um, we have a pretty neat life. We both have higher powers. Um, I understand that I can't control like people, places and things. And, you know, I got all this stuff from the program and this program helps me too in my, in my life, you know, and like with work and with relationships, and the traditions help me, um, also with like work, like what's for the good of the group, like not just what's good for me. And, um, I've just learned so many things from OA and I am just so, um, eternally grateful and anything in any way that I can ever give back. Um, I want to do that. And so I'm really glad that, um, my asked me to speak. I got to speak on an LA intergroup thing. There was like 800 people on the call. <laughs> it was, I was like, I'm just going to put like my screen on and just look at myself while I talk. <laughs> so I think that was my strategy there. But um, anyway, it's good to be in a meeting with everybody. Um, thanks again for asking me to speak. And um, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. <laughs>